A reader lives a thousand lives before he dies. The man who never reads lives only one. Come into the reading room, all you lovers of language and literature. This is the place for those of us who believe that reading is essential as we seek to rise above the ordinary. And the reading room contains a host of extraordinary people, leading lights of the written word, authors, literary critics, columnists and ideas people will tantalize your minds with their wordplay while discussing the ideas and worldviews that form our wonderful literary milieu. Come step into a world of magic, the place of undiscovered treasures, a room of reading. It's more of a pedant class than a reading room today because in studio with us we have one of my favorite wordsmiths. Definitely one of the favorites from, well, I'd say at least the last five or six years. Somebody, the only reason I bought a specific newspaper for many years apart from their crossword puzzle. <laughs> my goodness, how are you, Sudokrut? And it's so lovely to see your face again, even if it is in a pixel form. Oh, nice to see you too, Mel. I remember sitting in your garden studio and uh, I don't see any plants there, but lovely studio you have there. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, no, unfortunately, um, you know, the times there are changing and, and it's quite a strange thing. And along with it, the language changes, which is why I need to talk to you about all of these things and our little bugbears. But, you know, we're talking about in the garden studio, that was like three years ago that we used to it get together on a, on a monthly basis when we and, could... and talk about words. Without masks. Without masks. <laughs> we don't have masks on now, which is fantastic because um, we're just looking at each other on a screen. But, I mean, three years, so much has changed. Would you have even believed at that stage that the situation we find ourselves in these days and how we've had to change and adapt our lives and our language could have possibly been a thing like when we were last together? Absolutely not. I mean, don't, I don't think anyone could. It's, they say no one expects the Spanish Inquisition and nor a plague. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think it's one of, I mean, oddly enough, one of the positive, I'm not Pollyanna by any means. There's so many terrible things about these current strange, trying and disturbing times, as everyone always puts it. But one of the positive things, I think people are reading more. People are reading more news. It may not be real news all the time, but they're also reading more books. I mean, I've spoken to a few mm. people at bookstores, Kate Rogan at Love Books says she's had a rush, which was like the December holidays just before lockdown, which was really great to hear. And online books are selling well. People are not just because they've got more time, but I think there's just a certain reflectiveness in the air, in the atmosphere that makes people into readers. So if that's one of the small positive, well, large positive spin-offs, I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, I'd say a big one. But it was it was quite interesting at the beginning of lockdown, there were a few people on um, Facebook who were sitting in, I mean, they usually read a lot and I, I tend to read voraciously as well. And people were saying, I've got all of these books, but I just, I can't read. Mm. I'm having a problem with reading. I had that too. I, yeah. What was it? I mean, I just carry on reading rewardless, or you know, regardless, shall we say. <laughs> I mean, me too. I, was, I used to sort of motor through two or three or four books a week, you know, partly for review and partly just because it was an escape from having to uh, finish my thesis, which still isn't done and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you had the whole but, of COVID to do it exactly, and you haven't. <laughs> exactly. But I did find, particularly when we thought that three weeks is all we were going to have and we were all very much homebound and locked down, I thought, wow, I'm going to read so much. And I found the same thing. And as it dragged on, I found it even harder to concentrate. I think it's maybe a, a general anxiety, maybe just feeling the world is abnormal. I found it very difficult. 
So until I pulled out my seven volumes of Harry Potter and reread them all. And well, good was, on you. I watched all the movies instead. Yeah. <laughs> so that pulled me back in. And after that, since I finished those, I mean, they did um, take up large, quite a large chunk of time. And my boyfriend gets really cross with me because I cry and bawl every time. Can I say the wizard who dies in case anyone hasn't read it? <laughs> of course, if they haven't read it but or seen it by now, who dies? They who dies? No, you know. The one, it's not Gandalf, that's the other book. Uh, Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Dumbledore dies. Oh, but Dumbledore God. died in the movie and ah. came back reincarnated as a different character, <laughs> as a different person, shall we say. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, anyway, I weep buckets every time. So it's back to the reading. I, as having finished those, I have been able to read again, and there have been some wonderful books. Mm, there's a lot of little things, I mean, on, on social media. I mean, what would we have done without social media? What would we have done with our computers and mm. cell phones and being able to video call your family on like WhatsApp? Can you imagine this had happened, say, 30, 40 years ago? Exactly. We would, I mean, we would have been really kind of nowhere to go. At least now you can read online, you can stay in yeah. touch with people. We can it's do this. so wonderful. Like, I mean, I was teaching people how to garden the whole way through this as well, you yes. know, and um, you sit and look at this and then you have all of these literary pages that pop up on Facebook and people saying, oh, you must read this book and the good books guide and all of those. So it was really fascinating to see who was coming up with what. And of course, people doing their online book launches because there's no such thing as getting crowds together anymore. Exactly. I mean, it is remarkable what we've been able to do. In some ways, it's increased connectivity. I mean, I was talking to a, a psychologist yesterday who went to an online seminar with a governor of the Bank of England who turned out to be a guy who was in the socialist group with her when she was a child. So <laughs> And she didn't know that. So yeah, it's uh, these strange connections. So talking about connections, what connections has your brain been making between new words and, and how they should be spoke? Well, it is interesting. I mean, just looking particularly at this, these strange, trying and terrible times, which is really annoys me. And I'm sorry, I know people mean well, but it's how are you in these strange, trying and disturbing times? It's just how are you is fine. <laughs> so there's, become, <laughs> yeah. there's a new language or a new way of new ways of phrasing that have come up. I mean, one of the things that I've been pedantic about lately, and no one listens, as always, is the word spike. I mean, that is just such a wrong word to use. It's A spike is something that goes up and then goes down. What we're yes. seeing now is not a spike, it's a surge. <laughs> it's going, we, it might be a spike <laughs> after it's gone down, but as soon as things are going up, they say oh, it's spiking. And I mean, you, you see it in, if you watch medical dramas, they go, oh, his heart rate spiked, which meant it made a you can't see me. Yes. <laughs> well, temperature spiked you know? for an hour. Exactly. Yeah, so it went, went up and came, and back, it down came back down again. So, so when people talk about... There's no coming down from this one, is yeah. there? Well, I mean, I think there is. So, I mean, some instances it is used properly and kudos to those who do. But a lot of the time when people say spike, they mean surge. It's just going up. So mm. if, if I may be pedantic just for a second. You may. This is what <laughs> we are supposed to be, the pedant class entirely. Where, where are you actually writing at the moment? Because that's, I mean, I was saying at the beginning that, the one thing that I loved and the reason I bought the newspaper that you wrote for was purely to read your column oh, because it was you. just it just really resonated with me because we are complete peasant, not peasants, sorry, pedants. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was called the pedant class with obviously a, a play on peasant. We were the, the word peasants. But uh, the pedant class was in Sunday Times Lifestyle. Then it migrated online. So we started the Times Select digital platform, which is uh, it's free to Sunday Times subscribers, kind of a premium con mm. content it's got analysis, opinion, and fun stuff like words um, and rants like words. And Time Select is so it's timeselect.co.za. So I write at the moment twice a week a column called Word in the Hand there. And mm -hmm. it varies 
from kind of vague etymological musings and ramblings to real annoying rants. Like one of the things I got quite annoyed about recently, and, and in fact, it's one of the things people write into it still because you can place comments. And I'm mm -hmm. sure you remember in the pedant class, one of the most entertaining was the readers' comments. They would come up with some lovely complaints. And I think there are a lot of kindred, <laughs> kindred spirits there. So one of the ones recently someone wrote about is the annoyance about anniversary. So someone said it's the COVID six-month anniversary. And as he pointed out, the, the it, Annie, it can't be an Annie anniversary part, for six months. Exactly. The Annie part means a year. So an it's anniversary year. is a year. And by the same token, people who say it's our one-year anniversary, no, it's just your first anniversary because that is already a yes. year. So, yeah. so things like that. <laughs> yes, I am a pedant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll have to tell my kids about that. You can't have a one-month anniversary. No. Because it has to be a year. I see a pixie right. rolling. So what would it be then? A month anniversary. A pixie is rolling its eyes at you there. <laughs> 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 I suppose a month anniversary. And I mean, look, neologism's new words are coined all the time. The one we have now, which I quite like, is a covered premier, which is a filthy, scummy, bottom-feeding, disgusting, sick person who steals funds meant for PPEs, that word Gavin likes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it's the, basically the people who are lower than the shark shadow. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, that, the stuff floating around pond scum. You're absolutely Where we right. put three little stars in the paper, yeah. <laughs> yes, so what, what other words have, have come to your notice and you, you're kind of sitting and thinking, okay, that one's good and this one I could just do without completely? Well, actually, one of them I mentioned on your Instagram feed a few days ago, you had a sneak peek of a garden that you were reviewing. On the, home, oh, yes. on the home channel. So you had spelt it correctly, sneak, S-N-E-A-K, peak, P-E-E-K. But I get yeah. constantly, I have moaned about it many, many times, <laughs> the sneak peak, P-E-A-K. Where it's a mountain. Yes. And I mean, what is this? You can't so, sneak a mountain no. around. That thing's way too big. It's yeah. Sneaky, <laughs> sneaky peaks, what do they sort of lie around corners waiting to jump out on us with their icy tops? <laughs> <laughs> so there is that, the sneak peak. There was actually, I, I moaned about that recently because I'd seen it I think people that often know the difference, and I've also seen the peak of the epidemic written as P-E-E-K, and it's hardly peaking out at us. I think it's in full view right now. But um, mm -hmm. someone wrote about an Oxford professor called Simon Horobrin, who he mounted a campaign to try and have words that are uh, spelled differently but pronounced the same. They're called homonyms, like peak and peak, or peace yeah. and peace. A peace is a gun, peace is something you don't do with a gun. So he, he started this movement to try and have them all spelt the same. He said it really doesn't matter, but it didn't take off for some reason because I think a lot of people, it, it, wouldn't, because it wouldn't work. It, it can't have them spelt the same because yeah. then it doesn't, you're reading it and you don't know what it's supposed how, to be because that spelling is how it is. Exactly. How would people know? And I think especially, I, re, I really feel for English second language learners from whatever mm -hmm. their first language might be, I think it is one of the trickiest and most difficult languages to learn, partly because of, the, of homonyms. We have so many of them that are spelt the same, you know, rough and tough or, or things that are spelt the same way but pronounced differently. It's just, it's very confusing. But um, I mean, on that line, if things weren't spelt differently, how would you know if someone meant a, a look around a corner or a, a mountaintop? It's, you, you kind of yeah, need the differentiation. Up on your you know? yeah. <laughs> Doing a full Jupiter on you. All right, if anybody knows who Phil Jupiter is, then you obviously watch QI quite a lot. But I mean, there's wonderful things that have come out of people when it comes to creating and coining phrases that we sh should just really be shot. And then, the, then the, the people in power say, okay, fine, we will allow this word. I'm sure you know what word I'm talking about. Irregardless. The one I'm like, <laughs> why? That is, that is like redundant. It's irridiculous. 
<laughs> well, thank you for very much for that one. Why on earth do you think that they would have allowed irregardless to become a word? You know, it's so interesting. I did a, a panel at the uh, just the Joburg Book Fair a few years ago with some of the most interesting people, the lex- lexicographers, that's a hard word to say, lexicographers mm. from the Oxford English Dictionary. They have Cape Town office, actually, they were up here. And they were talking about and showing these very technical graphs about how words get included in the dictionary. So they track them. Easier now that we have, you know, web, based mechanisms to track how a word is used and on social media Mm. and in books and all over. So it seems when a word reaches kind of critical mass, then the people who write the dictionaries go, well, maybe it's time to include it, even if we really, really hate it. And I think irregardless, uh, Erin, unfortunately, is one of those. It's so irritating. (laughs) But why? I mean, I don't don't understand how English speakers would think that that is actually a sensible thing to be saying. I don't. I think what? Yeah. I mean, it's like with regards. This is another thing that bugs people who write to my column. Is is with regards to? It's so you can give regards to someone, sending them your best regards, Mm -hmm. but it's in regard to without the s on the end. So, and that too seems to have fallen by the wayside. It's it's. seldom see anyone using it correctly. But it's pedants like you and I who hate that. But I suppose the point of the dictionaries is not so much to say it's okay or to try and sort of bastardize English. I think it's to try and help, as I was saying earlier, people who are learning English. So they're going to be Mm. hearing this word everywhere. If it's not in the dictionary, how are they going to know what it means? So the other one that annoys me, which is for a completely lost the battle we've literally lost the battle is li- oh no you haven't literally lost <laughs> literally, the battle have you <laughs> literally and figuratively so oh good people Lord. say if one more person says you know and i literally died exactly. not, no you didn't you're still here we're talking how could you literally yeah. have died it drives yeah. me absolutely up the wall but now that reached critical mass in common use so it's been a few years now that even the most respected dictionaries include a sort of third or fourth definition i'm not sure where under literally to say figuratively, which means this word actually means the opposite of what it means. But I think it's to help because if, if someone's learning English and they hear literally, it's, it's, it's going to be quite distressing to go, I literally died. It's like, oh, I'm talking to a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to, I'm a qualified um, teaching English as a foreign language. Teachers, mm-hmm. obviously, if you teach something, you're a teacher. And it is one of those things we were sitting and talking, I was talking with my kids about how difficult it is when it comes to Afrikaans and you know, learning the rules and, and regulations. Now, Afrikaans is a very simple language, actually. Mm. And we have to learn it like that to be able to speak it properly. But the best way to learn it, obviously, is if you're speaking it the whole time. So for people who haven't spoken English before, they have to learn all of these things about, I was like, what is an imperfect tense? What is, what is active and passive voice? I yeah. mean, because this is not stuff that you actually, as an English speaker, learn particularly much at school because we just know what it is. Exactly. You know? Yeah, it's very, and I mean, those things, I still, I'm still hazy on those things, perfect and pluperfect and whatnot. I just, yeah, you kind of know is this is right or it's wrong, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's also an, an irreperfect. <laughs> What do you do with it? <laughs> <laughs> no idea. But I mean, that's also the Afrikaans thing is interesting. So there are quite a few South Africanisms that are accepted that even English speakers will use that have come from Afrikaans use of language. So for instance, a lot of people will sign off an email by saying, enjoy your day further. 
which yes. uh, used to... I do that. Yes, but it used to bug me. It's like, what do you mean? Enjoy, must I enjoy my day somewhere far away from you? <laughs> it, comes from, <laughs> it comes from the Afrikaans saying, enjoy, which is enjoy the yeah. rest of the day, we would say in English. But it's, and I, I think yes. that's quite charming, actually, to, to have adopted that use that kind of phrasing into English, enjoy your day further. I think it's an absolutely lovely one because yeah. there are so many Afrikaans phrases and, and somps. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing else that really explains somps. No. There's a, a couple of other words which maybe I won't use um, in, <laughs> in polite company. But I mean, you sit and you look in a skunlapper and ah. it's something that I see. Why would you call a butterfly a skunlapper? And uh, what a, you know, a cloth to wipe a shoe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, it is a, a lovely thing when you can take words from other languages. But for me, personifying words is also a thing. And we, we, what we're, we're not doing it at the moment, we are not zooming. No, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So there's the, it's called verbification. There's another more fancy word that I can't remember right now, but to take a noun and turn it into a, into a Hoovering. verb. Hoovering, yes. And especially proper words and uh, Xeroxing. I mean, we don't do that anymore, but um, things like that, where it was um, trying to think of others, there would be kind of brand names that became, you know, verbs, like, let me go and yeah. omo my clothes. No, that didn't really or Google something. Off. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And now we're zooming. <laughs> we are indeed. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, females who are pedants have got to be like on the ball yeah. the whole time. So we are zooming flat we out are. the whole time. To be able to reach out on Zoom is great, but that's one of the things I hate most. And again, we've lost the battle. That word reach, uh, phrase, reach out. It's such, the Americans say, instead of calling, reach out. It's no, yeah. I'm sorry. You, you know, if you're a member of the Four Tops and you sang jazz in the 1950s, you can reach out. Otherwise, no. No, not allowed to reach out because <laughs> we're not allowed to touch, remember? Exactly. That whole Neil Diamond song has been like thrown onto the scrap heap of vinyl at mm-hmm. the moment because we're not allowed to reach out and touch each other. Maybe that'll be the other, <laughs> other positive spin-off of COVID is we'll get rid of that terrible reach out phrase. One hopes, <laughs> one hopes. What else have you seen that, that's been getting your, your goiter? Oh, so much. <laughs> um, the other thing I hated I've hated for years, but it still doesn't go away. Is is the word curate, mm. which you know, a carefully curated collection of cushions. It's no, it's just a collection of cushions that someone chose. <laughs> that's all. It's it's um, trying to make things sound fancier than they are. So that's annoying. So when are you allowed to use it? Just with art? I, you know what? Again, losing battles. So people use it for everything, from you know, curating it what the content of a newspaper or whatever. So I think um, I may have to give up and stop being angry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Just refuse to use it though. (laughs) I will totally refuse to use it. Um, And another interesting one is, it's interesting, it annoyed me until I started uh, researching it, is the phrase pre-order, which um, Mm -hmm. is probably going to become very popular again in the next weeks when we hear when the booze ban is going to be lifted again. But it's in the week before the last booze ban was lifted, I think every single store, online liquor store, was sending out things to place your pre-orders now. So it, I got all pedantic and went, what is a pre-order? How is a pre-order different It's just an order. order. It's just an order. But it turns out, actually, it's, it's existed since the 1630s. And it happened when people with some means were building houses. And, you know, you couldn't just rush down to Ikea or, you know, game or wherever and go and buy your, your furniture. You had to grow a forest and then cut down the trees and then make the furniture. So you, you kind of had to pre-order stuff for your house even before you bought the land for your house on which to build it. So that word has been around for a long time. 
<laughs> no, there's a lot of words. I mean, imagine, but we sit, we say, okay, we don't like that they have put new words into the dictionary that we don't agree that should be words. However, it is a very fluid language. I think most languages are, but I think English specifically yeah. is a very fluid language. And if you think about how they used to speak, we were, you were talking about in the 1600s, even earlier than that, mm. in Chaucer's days, in the medieval times, how, what, I mean, how many of people can actually read Middle English? That, not, that, how many people? Well done you, Mel. <laughs> if you look at what the, the way they spoke then, how they spelt words mm. in those days, it was, you, you can't, there's no relation between what English was then and what English is now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I love. I find that absolutely fascinating is tracking the origins of words and how they came to us and all the different little paths and branches they took along the way. I mean, but it's interesting. I looked at this word at the same time as I was looking at uh, pre-order. Some words that you think are modern are actually very old. So the word courier, uh, which mm -hmm. to us is a DHL or FedEx van arriving at the gate with a nice, oh, a nice little yellow word. package, it goes back to Chaucer days, as you were saying. And it, it was a fast mm. horse. It was a man sent on a fast horse. Comes from the, I think, from the French for a horse that runs fast, something like that. Corsa. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that hasn't changed. I mean, the, the meaning hasn't changed and the word hasn't changed. So some things stay the same. And then we get some wonderful new words. Like a few years ago, the word of the year, I think Merriam-Webster every year has a word of the year. And mm -hmm. it was uh, omni-shambles, which applied specifically to the Brexit uh, omni-shambles at the time. But it has been used yes. everywhere. And I mean, that's a marvelous word that totally deserves to be in the dictionary. Oh, I can think of other words that would describe that situation <laughs> no. a lot better. I think it has we to do something with, that, um, <laughs> with a cluster. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great. Although point. I tend to say, and I, I changed that, and I changed one letter into a clutter, oh. which I thought worked a lot better. <laughs> it's like, oh, there, another word that's become a verb is Marie Kondo. You know, Marie Kondo your cupboard if oh. you're cleaning it. <laughs> I have never, ever watched one of them. So, yes, I know what it's all about. But, I mean, yeah, this verbification mm. of, of proper nouns mm -hmm. is, is quite an interesting thing. You don't you, Gordon Ramsay, me. Exactly. <laughs> so what else, what words have come up that you've actually enjoyed seeing coming around again, maybe, or being used in a new way? So, I don't know if enjoy is the right word because it made me angry in other ways. But one <laughs> of the COVID-related words that I was looking at was vaccine. So the word vaccine mm -hmm. literally means literally means pertaining to cows because yes. it comes from when in the smallpox epidemic in the 1800s when they used cowpox to inject people with and people were very very anti yeah. it they were anti-vaxxers back then there were these terrible paintings of women with cows heads and everyone refusing to take the vaccine but smallpox remains I think the only human disease that has been completely eradicated from the world so the cowpox worked mm. so we get the word vaccine from cowpox from cows and unfortunately the anti-vaxxers persist the well, it becomes a bit unwieldy when I, I refer to myself as an anti-anti-vaxxer. <laughs> yes, it's like anti-disestablishmentarianism. Terrianism. <laughs> that is no longer a word. It was struck I, off of the role of actually acceptable words. It is no longer the longest name. It was a wonderful word, though. I still have no word. idea what it actually meant. Yeah. And of course, we do know that the longest word is flocky pocky knee hole pollification. Yeah, the only person I know has ever said that. I've read it. <laughs> Flocky pocky nihil pollification, which is the, something like the act or art of rendering something entirely useless. That's fantastic. It's a wonderful word. I love that. So we can, I mean, we can use words to our own amusement. And, and this is what it is, is that going and reading people's writings online has been a source of great amazement. So I may not have been able to sit down and actually read an entire book because your mind wanders and what am I going to do? When am I going to have work again, et cetera, et cetera. 
and reading these short, pithy little articles from people or just little Facebook posts from people like Gus Silber, um, mm-hmm. from people like Tom Eaton. Uh, I'm just going through the ones that I read. Um, the Mad One, what's his name? Also ex-Sunday Times, Ben Travato. Oh, right, yeah. And then Chris Murdek, mm-hmm. who I, I think I met um, in the days when he was at BMW. His COVID diaries, his plague diaries. I mean, a lot of people have been doing plague diaries. Mm. His are absolutely hysterical. They're so punny. Yeah. Anybody who can come up with brilliant puns is like somebody who you should really kind of buy into and say, right, I'm going to support you. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what are you writing about at the moment? What kind of other things that have been coming across your desk have been making you enthralled? Um, well, I've been, so I, I write the odds. I mean, my day job apart from writing online is the I do, I'm deputy features editor at Sunday Times Insight section. So given that we all double up on everything, I also write quite a bit for them. So I had quite a lot of fun last week writing a, I think maybe a bit provocative piece about why there are so few statues of women in the world. Um, this is for Women's Month, which is another thing I have issues with. <laughs> but yeah. It was actually the, the person who's sitting in the room with me at the moment put something up about six or seven years mm-hmm. ago. Happy, the most misused public holiday name ever. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, why must we only think about and rustle up a few women to talk to in August? It's they, they're kind of around the rest of the time as well, you know? <laughs> yes. No, but, it's just the whole idea of it. Yeah. I mean, and the men get to take it off as a holiday as well. I'm sorry. Only the women should be allowed <laughs> to be taking the day off. The men should be out at work. Indeed. Not that there's much people being able to do work at the moment. <laughs> but what can we say? So you, you wrote this. What did you actually write? I did see part of it. Um, well, I just did some investigation on how many. So it's hard to get the exact figures, but it seems roughly about 2% of statues of historical figures in the world are of women. Mm. Now, obviously, there have not been as many women leaders as men. This is, you know, over the last couple of thousand years. But um, I was just looking at other reasons why there's more to it than that. And then some people saying that there shouldn't be statues at all, that the statue itself is essentially a very male concept. Um, I'm not sure I agree because I really, really love that Brenda Fussy statue in Newtown. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, so just, yeah, looking at women who, the, South Africa's actually improved. I mean, we've overtaken the US in terms of proportion of historical women statues in the last few years, which is good. Mm. The US is particularly appalling. But yeah, what, what kind of women do we have statues of? And I mean, I find it amusing. The statue of Queen Victoria in Port Elizabeth is ritually vandalized. Every St. Patrick's Day, she has a green bra painted on her and so on. But I quite, li- well, I quite course, like that too. Well, of course, because she was too. a colonialist, yeah, wasn't she? And that's public art. It's Not great. Not colonialist. <laughs> it's also this whole thing that goes around at the moment about um, the patriarchy. And I mean, that very much buys into it, this whole patriarchy thing, about the fewer statues. Yeah. Um, and, and notice mm. I said fewer, not less. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of our bugbears. Mm-hmm. It's um, women getting quite upset about being told that they're feminists. Now, I've always been of the kind of thinking, I'm not a feminist, I'm a humanist. Mm. That's fun. I couldn't. Yeah, I spoke to you. But I mean, does that kind of drive you a bit nuts when you're having to write and read and how you're watching your P's and Q's around using gender fluid words? I suppose so. I mean, I, th- I think we are all, in some ways it's good and in some ways it can be limiting, but I think it is good to examine the words one is using and, you know, instead of just blithely using them. But uh, the feminism thing is interesting because I've had a it's been such a kind of um, maligned word and people go, oh, you're a feminist, you're, you're one of those bra-burning 
shouty Karen people. <laughs> I don't know, you know. But I spoke to actually psychologist Judith Ansel yesterday. I had a wonderful interview with her, which you can read in the Sunday Times on Sunday. But she was saying, it's how can one not be a feminist? She said, it's like saying it's not just Black Lives Matter, it's all lives matter. But actually, mm. the Black Lives Matter is important because it's redressing an imbalance. And she said, being a feminist is redressing an imbalance. So really what you are is an equalist, but what you're doing is fighting for women's rights. And many men are feminists too. If you if you explain it in that sense. So I think you mm. and I probably are, but I understand what you mean when people misinterpret it. And I'm not a shouty Karen, yeah. and I apologize to all the Karens I know, and I know quite a few of them. That's another and, thing. And most of them are quite shouty. Yeah. How many Karens do you know who are actually shouty? Uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, but you know what, the more this, and something else Judith was saying, the, the Karen thing, I mean, it was quite funny and quite apt, but it's almost become this entrenched meme that is almost saying, well, women don't say anything, otherwise you might be a Karen. So it's become just another way of shutting people up, if you ask me, shutting women up. Mm, I remember there was the whole thing uh, some, what, 10 years ago about Steve, mm -hmm. it was with the banking mm -hmm. thing. And everybody, all the Steves got upset about it because it was making Steves out to be stupid. Poor old Steves. So, but I mean, get back to reading, okay? So, um, I mean, just to take it a, a little bit further, I mean, reading, we love it. We're never going to stop. Number one, reading makes you a better conversationalist. Do you agree? Absolutely. I mean, I, I just, I could tell you all about Dumbledore dying. Oh, shame. I'm so sorry. You should have just given me a call. I would have been there for you. Um, fact number two, neighbors will never complain when you're reading too loud in your head, mm -hmm. obviously. Mm -hmm. Fact number three, knowledge by osmosis has not yet been perfected, so you'd better read. Excellent. Although you could listen to podcasts. Yes, you can listen to podcasts. <laughs> or audiobooks. Absolutely, while you're doing other yeah. things. This is one thing I found that I, I, I cannot just do one thing at once. I think maybe it's because we are so used to going so fast. When we suddenly got into shutdown, um, we weren't going fast enough, so we needed to do two things at least mm -hmm. at once. So you can listen to the radio, or listen to the podcast, and do the dishes but you know that's why you can't watch videos that's why podcasts are so fantastic exactly you can't read a book though no and watch tv no, no. no. so that's the only thing books you have to give your entire consciousness to them mm -hmm. and enjoy every moment of it you have to subsume yourself into the book you have to be eaten up by the written word right fact number four here we go books have stopped bullets reading could save your life <laughs> great you like that <laughs> one and fact number five, dinosaurs did not read. Look what happened to them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's all it goes down to. I mean, any last witty words of wisdom that you might have for anybody who's listening in and thinking, oh, I really want to find out more about words and where they came from. My last word is really, I think it's a bit unfair on dinosaurs. They couldn't read because their little arms were too small to hold the book far enough away. <laughs> that's only Rex. Come okay. on now. <laughs> Stop discriminating against all the other dinosaurs. They had plenty of time. They just didn't do it. <laughs> they had a weak eyesight. Think pre-order your dictionaries and irregardless of whether literally is figuratively or not, let us allegedly just continue. <laughs> Actually, it's, it's like all of those things on the people putting on other people's walls about there, there and there. Mm -hmm. Maybe one day we can talk about the apostrophe, Mel. Oh, oh, we will go into apostrophes <laughs> like you can't believe. I've been reading a lot about apostrophes, poor apostrophes. We will also then get into a whole bunch of other stuff like Ronnie Ancona when she's talking about obscurity. Mm -hmm. If you've never seen that, you need to watch it on not. QI. Cool. We'll, we'll get a, a clip of it and play it out the next time we speak because it just absolutely is a, a total little gem. 
All right. Well, fantastic. I hope everybody gets along and buys all of your albums. I mean, albums. <laughs> I'm recording today. I hope everybody gets along. <laughs> I hope everybody gets along to buy your latest columns and enjoys them as much as I have over the years. I mean, I must say that I was I was absolutely distraught when the pedant class was no longer in the newspaper. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm really glad that we can mm-hmm. continue with our pedantry. Thank you so much, Mel. Happy reading. Thank you so much, Sue. Bye. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.